0: Hello and welcome to another episode of This Is Sate CD. I am your host, Jerry Scullion, a human centre designer based in Dublin, Ireland. Now in this episode I caught up with Jerry McGovern, one of the most well known and loved CX professionals in the industry today. I caught up with Jerry as I returned to Ireland in April of this year, and as it turned out was not only one of my favourite conversations of 2018, but also one of yours with thousands and thousands of downloads since it was released. Since then, myself and Jerry have called up many times and even went on to form another podcast together with Jerry Gaffney in Melbourne called The Three Jerry's, and I'll throw a link to that one in the show notes. It's been an epic 2018 for me personally and professionally. Returning to my homeland of Ireland and getting to know the Irish design scene has been really insightful. Now, these insights form many of the driving forces behind the conversation with Jerry today. Jerry's created a wonderful Top Tasks Methodology and has packaged it all up into a wonderful book, and that's what we discuss in this episode. Now, some of you might know the Top Tasks Methodology already, and even if you do, I encourage you to listen as I break down the method to better understand its mechanics. And get Jerry's insights into where it works well and also its origins. And there's so much wisdom in this episode. I just know you'll enjoy it. And I particularly enjoy the final three questions, which, in true Jerry McGovern style, was full of emotion and impact. Now, this is the last episode before Christmas, so I wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone for listening in this year and sharing in the HCD love. I'm wishing everyone a very wonderful holiday season. It's the perfect time to sit back, relax, and reflect. But anyway, let's jump straight into this episode. Jerry McGovern, a very warm welcome back to This is HCD.
1: Thank you very much, Jerry. Lovely to be back.
0: So you're now like, uh, this is your second time on, on the uh, the podcast. The last time we spoke was in my first week back in Ireland. And uh, I've just hit six months back in Ireland. So it seems like a fitting time to, to tra- pick up the Traumatized
1: conversation. and, and uh, you <laughs> know, Six months, I'm ju- just getting over. Just speaking. getting over
0: the first conversation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so.
0: Well, um, we've got a lot to chat about. And um, since we spoke last, I know we mentioned top tasks in that first conversation and we caught up recently a couple of months ago for lunch and you were telling me more about you're creating it into a book and that book is now finished and is it, it's about to be released is that right? Absolutely yeah. Which is fantastic. For anyone who's just joining the podcast tell us a little bit about yourself and how you describe yourself and what you do.
1: Basically I've been involved in, in the web or the internet since about 1994 and I started off as a as a freelance uh, journalist, that's how I, I discovered it and then started trying to set up companies and dot-coms and had a company called NUA that was uh, quite successful for a period, at least in Ireland, in in the late 90s. Uh, but as it got involved in that the whole web thing, less from a technical or even classical design point of view and more interested in, in the customer experience or the user experience. So that's a kind of an area... I've really focused on over the period, published, this is now my, my seven books, so to speak broadly, either around content and the importance of content to customers or the general customer experience and how to deliver a better customer user employee experience. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And I know from just reading, I've got the book here in front of me, and I've read a lot of the book so far, but it's, it was created 15 years ago.
1: That's it. Yeah. And and there's a I know you you just come back from Australia and there's a kind of a there's a story of that touches a little bit about uh, on Australia and also on maybe innovation and and, uh, how you actually create things, because what this top task, this method, it's essentially a research method to identify what's critical to people and what's not critical. And it was like many things. Discovered by accident. I didn't invent it. In fact, I tried to stop it being happening or, or discovering. And the way it essentially happened is, I used to do a lot of workshops around information architecture design. And I was in Australia a number of times, and part of the discovery actually happened in Australia. I was doing all of these workshops in in Adelaide and Perth and Sydney and Melbourne, and then going to. New Zealand, Wellington, and and, uh, places like that. And I was doing these intense one-day information architecture workshops. And part of the information architecture was a card sorting exercise. And I'd basically gone through a big process of coming up with this imaginary website, so to speak, for a a national destination. And Ireland was the example. And the the core thing was, you know, how would you organise all this content and structure if you, if you had to set up a, a national tourism website. So I would created all these cards connected with tourism, getting here and around, things to do and see, special offers, accommodation, you know, everything I could find connected with structures and links and navigation for a tourism environment. And I had about 150 cards. I was very proud of this. I, I used to walk around with a little plastic toolbox <laughs> That was full of 15 sets of cards with 150 cards in each one of them. My like Bob God. Bob the Builder. Oh, I was I was Bob the Builder. I was Bob the Information Architect. <laughs> uh, and uh, the amount of effort I, I, I bought, you know, those A4 pages with the eight blocks and serrated edges, and I printed. And that was a big exercise to print out all these things. So I've gone through this massive thing and I was very invested in this whole card sorting mechanism. So what I do is I break my workshops up into 15 groups of people and and give them each a set of these cards and say, now go off and sort and start organising. And there was all sorts of things around. But the final outcome was, or one of the final outcomes, it was that we were going to get the classification or the navigation for the homepage. So what should be on the homepage? What's the critical stuff that if people come that they're, you know, going to need to see if they're coming to an Australian destination or an Irish destination country website. So that was working well, and it was working okay, and they were broadly sorting. We were seeing similar patterns coming up, whether we did it in Adelaide or whatever. And and before I'd done it in Retrovic, I'd done. It, I was traveling the world at this stage, doing these workshops, but to, to refine it at one stage. I said, well, let's vote. When, I want you to select 10 tasks to go on the homepage. And then I, I decided, well, it'd be good if we could get an even greater clarity to see is, you know, is there something that's much more important than everything else. So I asked them to vote on their top 10 tasks. But to do that, I created this sheet at the back of the workbook, which listed the 150 tasks in A to a Z. And I said, OK, after all the sorting, I want you to go to this sheet and basically score the tasks, ten nine eight seven six. So, so 8, 7, And then I'll add all the scores together, blah, blah, blah. And we'll see, are there dominant tasks? And of course, there were. But what happened was that people started cheating because I'd do this exercise just before lunch. And I'd say, whenever you've done the sorting, you can go out and have your lunch. And if you get the sorting done earlier, you can have a, a longer lunch. And I noticed people would go, some people, instead of sorting out and unpacking and taking those elastic bands, which I'd found very solid elastic bands, because when you try and tie together 150 cards, you need to have good elastic bands. Otherwise, you're going to spend very traumatic periods in your bedroom at night preparing for the next morning's information architecture sessions with loads of cards mixing together. So, But they weren't doing it. They weren't sorting with the cards and they were going immediately to the back of uh, the worksheet, and they were actually scoring. They were putting in scores straight away. So as soon as I'd noticed that, I'd go down to them and say, what are you doing there? And and, uh, (laughs) start giving out to them and saying, no, but the art, the whole purpose of this is to sort the cards. This is just... This spreadsheet in the back, this is just the end, the last five or 10 minutes of the process. It really will not get you a good result. You know, you sort my bloody cards because of the amount of effort I put into my my cards and because I've learned (laughs) about card sorting and the people think I'm good at this and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, more and more people started cheating and then I had a crisis of identity. What am I anymore? I, I'm I'm not a card sorting trainer. I do, I'm not I'm not good at information architecture. But one morning, I decided I'd I'd do something brave and really risky. And I left my Bob the information architect's little building case in the hotel room, and I just brought down the sheets of paper, and I gave everybody a sheet of paper, an Excel built in Excel with three columns. And there was basically 50 things in each column. And I says, OK, let's say you're, you're building this tourism website. I want you to look at this sheet and select what you think should go on the homepage and give 10 to the most important one, 987654321. So we went through that process. Of course, it was, it was about five, six, seven, eight times shorter than the whole sorting process, and then I said, "Okay, go off now here's another exercise, and I took all the data from them manually and I put it into a spreadsheet, and I calculated all the stuff and then I looked at my previous workshops and I saw, "Wow it's, it's identical, it's practically identical from the other exercise, which was the manual card sorting, and that was that was the beginning of it and then then I thought the magic was in the sheet. And they give the sheets out, and then somebody else says, "Why are you giving these stupid sheets out? Why can't you do it in a survey?" And I says, "No, it's the sheets. You gotta look at the sheets. You gotta. <laughs> it's it's the organize. It's the three columns. The magic is in the three columns, you know, and, and stuff like that." And then somebody says, "That's stupid." And they created their own survey, and I says, "The survey won't work. You can't have people scanning up and down one hundred and fifty things. They're not going to choose logically in a survey." But of course, the survey did work. And there, through refinements, and basically, you know, I think a lot of the essence of discovery is really watching, you know, this whole philosophy that I have now that partly I learned there is design through use. It gets uh, your idea going, but then get people using it and have a particular eye on the people who are, so to speak, doing it wrong. Or cheating. Because in the cheating or doing it wrong could be the magic that will actually transform. Because people will always try and find a simpler way. People will always try and find a, a better way because they want to get to lunch, you know, or they don't want to go through these big exercises. And sometimes they won't be doing the right thing, but sometimes they'll be discovering something that's simpler and better. And and it used to be 10 things that I'd people. Then we discovered through analysis that 10 was too many. A lot of people would begin to struggle at about six or seven. You know, they, they couldn't get up to 10. Some people would want 20, but on average, a lot of people would struggle. Then we settled on five and we stuck with that for years. But then we began to discover through observation and feedback as well, that maybe about 10, 20% of people didn't have five in the process then we did an analysis we did an ab testing and we gave one group where we said you must choose five and then another group where we said you can choose up to five and we found they were essentially statistically identical so now we say up to five rather than five then we used to get people to vote 5 4 3 two, 1 and then we discovered uh, through analysis that actually you get the exact same results uh, certainly, if you've more than a hundred voters, if you're very low voters, if you only have twenty or thirty, the variances will be significant. But if you've got over a hundred voters, you essentially get the identical league table. If you just get people to choose five rather than if you ask them to choose five and then rank five, four, three, two, one. So he says, "Oh, why ask them to rank five, four, three, two, one if we're essentially getting the same results?" if we just ask them to choose five. So we've been trying to simplify it over the years. So, so that's maybe a much longer uh, description than you had expected me to give you <laughs> of how the method has developed.
0: So I remember when I was chatting to you before, you mentioned about doing work within, I think it was the EU. Yeah. Talk to me about other examples where you've seen top tasks work. That's the first part of the question. Then the second part of the question would be, what are the risks associated with just using top tasks alone?
1: Well, since, you know, about 2005, 2006, when it began to get moving, it's been implemented about 400 times uh, all over the world. Well, maybe not so much in Asia or South America, just a tiny bit in uh, Brazil, but uh, mainly in Europe, North America, Australia, New Zealand. And entities that have uh, used it, a lot of organizations there, uh, Toyota, did a big project on it there last year in 14 countries in Europe. And they've said that it is, has basically transformed how they think about organizing in digital for people buying a car, that it gave them the data to number one show there's a common way people buy cars, whether they're Germans or French, you know. So it established that actually there was a very similar mindset. Uh, with customers, whether they were in Norway or Belgium or Holland or the UK or or Germany, so that was an important thing to discover. And then the next phase in top task. The first phase is task identification. Uh, then. There are two other phases. One is developing an architecture with the top task. So they did that and they're they're building that architecture around uh, specs, you know, specifications and features. So we did a big project to simplify how they organize specifications and features. And then the final thing is what's called a task performance indicator where we observe people trying to complete their top tasks. And through those three processes, they discovered there was a core set of problems in how they were organizing their digital content. And they're they're now re-engineering, going through a massive process of a kind of content re-engineering to simplify how because they were getting a lot of negative feedback over the years that essentially people could not find Really important stuff on their websites in relation to buying a car. So Toyota is a very big exercise, but we've done a lot in technology. At the moment, we're doing a. Uh, we've done numerous projects for IBM, for Cisco, for Microsoft, for NetApp, VMware, or we're doing quite a bit in health. I, Irish health at the moment. We've done for Rolls Royce and Atlas Copco, IKEA, Tetra Pak tends to have been larger organizations over, over the years, although many medium and small ones have used top tasks, but they've not so much engaged with us because they've done it themselves, so to speak. They might have gone to the workshops, you know, and then took the methods and implemented th- themselves. But, you know, in many environments where you've got a highly political environment and you've got a lot of stakeholders and there's a lot of you know, maybe not agreement around what really matters to the customers and you're trying to build this consensus about saying, yeah, here's what truly matters and here's what doesn't matter. It has been quite successful.
0: So just going on the second part of the question about that there's no doubt there's huge value in in the method. I know myself and Jerry Gaffney, actually, we can talk a little bit more about the three Jerries. But, um, you know, we, we've used this to great success. But my question to you is, where do you think the problems could lie in just using top tasks alone?
1: Well, like everything, it's a part of a jigsaw. You know, it's not an answer in total. And some people take it. Well, one of the biggest mistakes I've found over the years is that they do a top task and they add it to the website. And they say, here's our top task. And that's added to the website so it's another little piece of navigation. So they, they had a big website and it was crap and nobody could find anything. And they said, oh, we do a top task. They do a top task and they find the top five or 10 tasks. And then they add that as a little classification to the website. So what they've done is they've made a crap website even crappier, Yeah. you know, because top task is not an add-on. It's an entire approach. So what it's saying is the top task should dominate But there should be a home and there should be a place for everything, for the tiny tasks if they're important. It's just that the tiny tasks will be at level three or level four or level five in the structure, in the environment. So if you just use it as an add-on, you're probably going to make things worse. And, of course, getting the top green, what is, you know, and task is a very amorphous, you know, what are the things that are really critical to people in dealing, we're doing a project at the moment uh, in relation to mental and physical well-being. So, yeah. you know, maybe these things aren't strictly tasks, but, you know, in, in Ireland, right, housing is something that's important to mental and physical well-being because you can't get it. And when you get it, it's so bloody expensive, as you as you know yourself. after. Yeah. So, you know, is housing part of the mental and physical well-being environment, you know, is Uh, Oh, yeah. People would immediately agree things like, you know, happiness or or mindfulness or or, or stuff like that. They're important elements. But what is it? So it requires very serious discussion and you really Hmm. need to bring together a multidisciplinary team. If you're just the marketing guys or the communication people or the whatever, you're really going to have a very slanted ultimate list. And if you've you've the wrong list that people vote on, then you get a very skewed picture and you say, oh, we've discovered everything. So actually to discover the task environment before anybody uh, votes is a very intensive, difficult exercise that 90% of organisations are not willing to invest in because they don't really want to understand their customers that well. They just want to build stuff and produce stuff and get stuff going. And I don't care if it's a tiny task, look how quickly we produced it and look at the amount of crap we produced on it as well, (laughs) you know? And, uh, you know, so that, that's the way we still measure most organizations uh, activity, not whether people have been successful in finding out, do they have symptoms? But, Look at all the symptomatic content we have. And I know 60% of it is out of date, but feel the weight of the website.
0: Yeah, it's big, it's strong. So uh, I have another question. So like, if people are are doing the top tasks methods, right, and I'm not trying to break the top tasks method by asking these questions, but if people are asked to rank stuff... I know where you live, Jerry,
1: by the way, now, so...
0: (laughs) You probably do. Yeah. Uh, he's probably sitting outside my house. Yeah. Um, if if people are being asked to rank these, say the 150 cards, mm. they can only rank what's in front of them. Yeah. So is there a bit of a blind spot in regards uh, missing that? And that this is where it was kind of a leading question yeah. before, about doing it alone, where quality will give you those other aspects to add on to those cards that might be missing in the original task?
1: True. And actually, 150 is too much. I I mean, that was a crazy note. Typically, now we're about 50 to 80, you know, but it actually worked at 150, which was unbelievable. I mean, it's almost unimaginable that you can give a survey with one single list and 150 things and, and they'll work properly. But the crucial Thing I think you're you're looking at there is what I said earlier defining the task environment. So when we're defining the task environment, we do not define it based on what you have or what what is. So when we were working with Toyota, for example, we didn't we didn't look at the Toyota website only. We didn't look at the Ford Motor websites. We went out there. We had those as you're indicating these discussions, these brainstorms to say, well, in buying mm. a car, what might be important to you, etc. And, you know, there was stuff that came up that is not even available today on on most car websites, but we included in the list because we knew it, we knew through discussions or workshops or talks or other sorts of research that, so when you're defining the environment, like in relation to mental and physical wellbeing, we're not saying, oh, we're only going to focus on the stuff that we have on the Irish Health website. You know, that's going to define the task list. No, we're going to go out, we're going to talk to psychologists and psychiatrists and and other doctors and nurses and and practitioners and patients. And and we're going to look at what's out there, not just in the digital environment, but also in the physical environment. So it's investing that time in developing the environment that then you go out and you get people to vote and you say, oh, look, task number five, we don't even deal with it at the moment. It's the number five most important task for, for our customers. So defining that task environment from the broadest possible perspective is an absolutely critical uh, absolutely. step. because it's a must- It's a must because if you don't do it, they're voting on. So one of the things we sometimes do if we're worried that we don't have uh, good sources from search, etc., is we do a preliminary survey. So we go out to people and we say, why did you come here today? Or what's the top three important things to you, most important things to you in relation to mental and physical well-being? So we do a preliminary, what we call a task collection survey. And we might get, try and get a couple of hundred people to answer that. So we're getting people to think not in, in a channel focus. That's one of the most dangerous things you can do in yeah. any sort of design. Because anyway, most people don't understand their behaviors within channels. They don't yeah. understand that, oh, on the phone I do this. They just understand that I need to renew my insurance or I need yeah. to get better etc. So keep it as broad as possible in defining the tasks, because what they vote on frames, obviously, what the top tasks are going to be.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. I always liken, so this to me is a quantitative piece, and I always liken quantitative to be like a flashlight in a cave. It allows me to drill into the areas that I'll then apply qualitative and other forms of research to really get a deeper understanding, to really understand what's in front of my eyes. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Absol- that No,
1: absolutely. Because, we, so we did last year a big overall health project with Irish Health trying to re And it was basically, in dealing with health, health what's most important to you? And then we discovered that the number two task was mental wellbeing. Uh, so three yeah. and a half, 4,000 people voted. And they said, wow, that's really interesting. That really backs up all the thinking that's happening now. And of course, it's on the radio, et cetera, et cetera. So now we're doing a deeper dive into mental and physical well-being. So we found out it was the number two task. Then we got to say, well, what's going to be there? Like, well, how do we understand or how do people understand physical and mental well So often what happens yeah. is when you do a macro top task, it defines the macro environment. And then through various other, ex- like um, in Norway, they did a big, again, around health, around hospitals And they discovered that the top task was treatment, naturally enough. But they discovered there was three distinct top tasks, preparing for treatment, during treatment and post-treatment. So they they found there was these three core tasks. So that armed them with data that they could go into focus groups and then start asking people directed questions like, oh, when you're preparing for hospital, what are the things that you worry about or what... You know, so th- instead of going into focus group and saying, hey, tell us about hospitals or tell the, the top task gave them pointed questions that they could get deeper exploration, as you say, you know, in with qualitative methods to really uh, flesh out preparing for hospitals, so to speak, yeah. in, in multiple different aspects.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually coming towards the end of the episode, but I just want to give a bit of a wrap up on what the book is. In case we haven't been re- really clear, it's a
1: how to. It's, it, it's, it's it's a how to. It's everything I could think of that I've learned in how to do it. You know, it's it, everything how to put the long list together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all the stuff. So, if you read this book, you should have a lot of the. Information to do it. Of course, the theory and the practice, etc. But you you will have everything that I know that I've written down in relation to how you do a, a top task project. It's a how-to book.
0: And if they want, if you wanted to get the book,
1: well. Yeah, jerrymcgovern you know, you'll find it on, it'll be available on Amazon now in the next couple of weeks. It's not, it's available right now at, at Lulu which is, is the overall publisher. It can be bought for them. And I think it's in ebooks in a number of places, but over the coming weeks it'll be on all it'll trickle it, it'll trickle out, yeah. out into all the major stores. But if you go to jerrymcgovern.com, you'll find it there in the book section.
0: Brilliant. So we did the three questions the last time. I'm going to ask them to you again, just in case there's something uh, different you might want to add. So what's the one professional skill that you wish you were better at?
1: That I wish I was better at? Well, I suppose managing people. <laughs> and, uh, <you> know, <laughs> I think you said that the, last, I time that well, the so? last time as well. well. Well, at least I must be truthful So, in, in that process. And, and so that, you know, because been more about ideas and, you know, but you find out what you're good at and you, you try and do more at it and you find out what you're not good at and you try and do less at it. But certainly that would be one area.
0: And what's the one thing that you wish you were able to banish from the industry?
1: Well, we were talking yesterday about dark patterns, you know, the tree, yourself and Jerry Gaffney and myself that, you know, we could banish a bit of the ego or the, or the organizational sense that it feels it has to shove crap down people's throat, like the tiny task that uh, I say about the the tiny task, when a tiny task goes to sleep at night, it dreams of being a top task. If we could, <laughs> if we could just get rid of at least some of the tiny tasks, because organizations think that, you know, senior management speeches or their press releases or, or pictures of their politicians or, or the blah, 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 that people actually care. And nobody cares about 90% of what organisations do. And if they just get over it and stop pumping so much crap into the world and actually just help people do the things that they need to do. Everybody, everybody would be better off. Uh, Organizations would make more money. Customers would be happy. Stop being so bloody needy and telling people about how important you are and what initiatives you're doing and just shut up and serve the customer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going on to the third question, Jerry. You, you crack me up, man. Third question is, uh, what, what advice would you give to uh, emerging design talent for the future?
1: Design with the customer. You know, this yes. is the age of, you don't need to guess. You, of course you can guess, you Get iPod, but get it in the, Follow the minimally viable product road. Follow the, the lean and the truly agile design. Get it into use get rid of your ego as well you're not a genius you're not a magician don't listen to that bullshit they're teaching you in school that you're that you're the creative and that everyone else is the dumbo you know, in the process and you come in with your, your magic little ones and you'll create this beautiful thing. And stop the Hollywood fixation or, or the Picasso fixation. Do that in your spare time. You know, in your day-to-day job, just help people, you know, get on with their lives. People have lots of stress today. People are worried. You know, they've a lot of people hardly have enough money at the end of the month. If you could just help them pay their bills quickly with Without torturing them in the process, yeah. you would have made the world a slightly better place. You know, if you were the person who creates a survivor's guide to a shitty week, you've done something well.
0: Jerry McGovern, I don't think we've ended an episode quite like that and as perfect ending. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: You're very welcome, Jerry.
0: So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to be part of the conversation or community, hop on over to thisishcd.com where you can request to join the Slack channel and help shape future episodes and connect with other designers around the world. Thanks for listening and see you next time.